Amen. That woke you up this morning a little bit, right? Man. Woo. We are lifting up the name of Jesus today. It's exciting to be here with our kids. We got Pop-Tarts and PJs happening. The big question all week was, will the preacher wear PJs? And I just felt like, you know, as fun as that would be, Maybe everyone would be a little bit more comfortable if I just wore regular clothes, but we're casual, you know what I'm saying? We're a little bit more relaxed, uh, but uh, it's, it's amazing to be here uh, and to be here with our kids. And I think as fun as all this is, hopefully we do see it as an amazing testimony to how much we do care about the next generation within our congregation, that we are about raising up, that we're about investing in, and we're about passing on our faith to people to, of, of all generations. It's not just about one demographic. It's not just about one people. It's about all people, no matter what age. And, you know, whether we're talking about, you know, in the cradle role, in the, in the kids' kingdom, whether you're a teen, whether you're a campus, we're about giving and passing on year by year, generation after generation, through young professionals and singles all the way up. And it's incredible to think about the fact that, I mean, God's people from the very beginning were always about this, right? It was always about let's teach our kids, let's help them to learn and to grow. And, and even through the Israelites, through Jesus and the early church, through today, it was because someone cared enough about the gospel, about the message of God to pass it on to you and me. And it's only fitting that we spend whatever time and energy necessary to give it to our kids, to our next generation. And the next generation is something that I've been thinking a lot about lately uh, because my wife and I are expecting a baby boy next week. All right? That's right. January 8th is the due date. The name that we've settled on James Martin McIntosh, all right? It's pretty distinguished sounding. Um, so yes, my, my warrior of a wife is 38 weeks and four days along. So now you have all the info. If you see her later today, you won't have to ask her any questions at all. It's all out there, uh, but we're very excited. And we're very excited to be having our kids here today. And hopefully you received one of these activity packs. Uh, big shout out to... Melissa Tullock, our children's ministry coordinator, as well as Brenda Boss, who spent a lot of time putting these together for our kids. And it's very cool how this works. Yeah, give it up. But this is something that you can uh, do today during the service. Uh, really cool called uh, the Colors of the Faith Snowflake. Um, well, all these colors, you can go on the snowflake, you can hang it on your tree or put it wherever. But yellow represents God's perfect light. We sing about that today. Jesus, the light of the world, that he comes and he illuminates and he gives everything that we need to us. Obviously, red represents the blood Jesus shed for us, the fact that he saved us from our sins, an incredible thing. And then white represents the North Star, right? We've been talking about the Magi coming from the east and seeing this newborn king. Uh, black represents the beginning, before the light dawned uh, in our hearts, and then Green, think about, you know, verdant, vibrant fields, represents the new life that we have in Jesus. And then thinking about even some of the deeper theological truths of the faith, that blue represents baptism, that that's how we identify 
with Jesus, his death, burial, his resurrection. And then purple, obviously, a regal, kingly color, represents the crown of life that's in store for us all. So this is just a great way for us to engage with our kids, uh, just an activity that you can talk about some of the fundamental truths uh, that we all experience. And I know we've been thinking about that a lot this season. Uh, With Christmas, obviously, last week, uh, we had our candlelight service where Jeff talked about this newborn king as a way of God drawing near to us, right? Emmanuel, God with us. And the fact that all year long, we've been talking about how we draw near to God, that that's been our focus. And we are wrapping up 2019. Can you believe it? We stuck with that theme all year, which is awesome. And that focus is not going to change, right? We're always drawing near to God, hopefully. Uh, but we were, we were talking about this next year that's coming up. I mean, a new decade is coming up. Isn't that crazy? Uh, but we were talking as a staff just about what should our focus be for the new year as we really hone in in our lessons and our, in our studies as a church. And we came up with uh, a series where we're going to be talking about fixing our eyes on Jesus where for the whole year, that's going to be our focus from different angles and different topics, but all relating to Jesus, right? Our Lord, our Savior, our King, the significance that he has in all of our lives. There's so much there. And we're going to be taking this, obviously, from Hebrews chapter 12, one of our favorite scriptures, if you're like me. And uh, therefore, obviously, it starts off kind of in the middle of a thought, which we will be studying the book of Hebrews so we can see what that therefore is all about. But it says, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. It's easy to lose heart sometimes, isn't it? We grow weary. Life is difficult But if we fix our eyes on Jesus and we realize what he went through for us, that can be a game changer. And this is a really uh, special scripture for me because uh, about four years ago, I was running marathons. did some half marathons, some full marathons. And this was my theme scripture for running. Just the idea that even though it's metaphorical, the race and the running, it was inspiring for me. Because I was having to get up at 4 a.m. and run 20 miles sometimes like a crazy person. And to just think about the grind and pushing through the pain and the difficulty and all of that. But then realizing, man, that's nothing compared to Jesus. Compared to emptying his divine status to become like one of us and to be ridiculed and flogged and crucified. That was inspiring for me and I hope it's inspiring for us as well in our day-to-day life. And we're fixing our eyes. Now, a lot of times we like to look at the original language. Okay, what does fixing our eyes really mean? And what we have is this Greek word, which is aphorao. And what it means is it's not just to look. It's to turn your eyes away from something. 
all right? Because our eyes are gonna be looking and distracted, right? Turn your eyes away. It's like the separation from that so you can fix your eyes on something else. And when you think about it that way, you can see how it really ties in with what's said before about throwing off everything that hinders. What's hindering you? What's hindering us today? There are a lot of distractions. I mean, Jordan talked a few weeks ago just about the media and the technology and how that can just wage war for our attention. That's very real, but that's just one of many things. Just constantly trying to get in our way, get in our heads. I know for me, I mean, being a disciple now for almost 20 years, the different phases of life and then having kids lately, that's my battle. You know, how do I teach my kids the right way and yet still, amid all the distractions of family, be able to fix my eyes on Jesus through it all, through all the busyness and difficult schedules? It doesn't leave me off the hook, right, for really being a disciple, an apprentice of Jesus because he is, as it says, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. And if, uh, if you're like me, you might be thinking about some of the older translations of this scripture where it started out, it used to say, the author and perfecter of our faith. Do you remember that? And, and that was kind of th- the way that we thought about it. And the reason why they changed it is because they were trying to get closer to the meaning of this Greek word, which it talks about the beginning of something. That the author, yeah, that still works. As an author starts and writes a book, that's good. But like a pioneer, just starting off on a journey. And then also the perfecter, as in the completer, as in he started it and he finished it. And the message puts it like this. Keep your eyes on Jesus who both began and finished this race we're in. Study how he did it. You see, Jesus, he's not just some person that we look to that saved us. He's the end and the beginning. He's the end all be all. He's everything is what the scripture is going on. So it's like if you're gonna look at anything, you gotta fix your eyes on him. No matter what happens, no matter what's getting in your mind. And I hear Jeff Hickman use this quote a lot from uh, Stephen Covey. He says, the main thing is to keep the main thing the main thing. Did you catch all that? It's this idea that there are so many things, right? And obviously we talked about the the things that hinder us and, and the things that, you know, whether it's sin or whether it's our possessions or or whatever. But, you know, even just as a Christian, just trying to read the Bible, there's a lot, right? I mean, you look at just all the different books of the Bible, and they're, they're really long, some of them, and then you're talking about different people and different places and cultures and time periods, and there's different laws and commandments and different languages and different interpretations of different concepts, and then Okay, okay, well, I have, okay, I have some understanding of the scriptures. Okay, now I'm trying to live as a disciple, whether I'm a teen or whether I'm in college. And then I, I graduate, and then I'm trying to live as a Christian in my new job. And then getting married and having kids and family and finances and job. And you're just like, what am I supposed to do? It's exhausting. It's daunting sometimes, this race that we're running. But what it's saying is, look, Jesus is the main thing. And so don't get hung up on details. Focus on the main thing. 
Focus on Jesus. And that, that's how Jesus really talked when he started to preach about who he was and what he was doing. Because the, the, the Jews, they had many scriptures to base their life on and many scriptures to follow. It was like, okay, well, Jesus, what are you doing? You're bringing this new teaching. He's like, no. Just look how I apply the scriptures. Look how I, look at how I talk about them. Look at how I live the word of God out, and then it will all come into focus. It's this idea that, you know, whatever we're trying to figure out in life, you know, whether it's how to interact with people, Jesus has something to say about that, and he lived an example about that. You know, we have questions about God. We have questions about suffering. We have questions about money or whatever it is. Jesus is saying, just look at me. I'm going to show you the way if you can fix your eyes on me. And, you know, when you think about what's coming with this new year, right, this new decade, how many things are going to be thrown at us? I mean, who knows what's coming our way? The point is, if we can fix our eyes on Jesus in 2020, in the 2020s, he will be, as the scriptures say, an anchor for our soul. Just a few chapters earlier, right, we were talking about the different laws in the Old Testament. We're talking about what all of this is pointing towards, and we'll be able to look at the book of Hebrews in depth coming up here as a church, this idea that we don't have to be blown and tossed. We don't have to be overwhelmed. We don't have to be scattered and distracted. No, he is our anchor that's going to keep us firm and secure in him. And this is what I, I hope and I pray, I mean, not just for you, but for me, for all of us, that 2020 will be a special year. Because if we can focus on Jesus the way that we should, there's an ocean of knowledge, of insight, of life-giving wisdom into our lives if we let it, if we let it be the main thing. And that's what we're going to be doing. And I want you to ask yourself this question as we take communion. Who is Jesus to me? Because, man, we, we come in with all kinds of baggage. We come in with all kinds of preconceived notions. And just because you've grown up in in this quote-unquote Christian country, or wherever you grew up, or the fact that you're here today, does that mean that there's no more for us to learn about Jesus? Absolutely not. There is so much. And I think about, for me, even just growing up as a kid, I don't know why this was the case. I, I took it wrong. I mean, you hear about Jesus over and over and over again, and even as I was studying the Bible, it was like Jesus was kind of distant to me. It was almost like Jesus was like a means to an end or something. It was like you sinned, that's bad. And so Jesus died for you to take away for your sins. So just believe in him, get baptized, repent, then you can go to heaven. It was like the point was to go to heaven. And then Jesus was just kind of the way to get there. It's like, yeah, okay, yeah, heaven is important. Like that's what God wants for each and every one of us. But if Jesus is just something that you're using as an avenue then is he really going to be your Lord like he should? Is he really going to be your rabbi and teacher, the one that you're learning from and imitating? And the longer I've been a Christian, the longer I've seen, man, 
the things that Jesus said and how he said it and the culture that he was in, how the people reacted, what that meant to them. Groundbreaking, revolutionary, eye-opening in my life. It's been incredible to figure out, man, just how life-giving his words and his deeds are every single day. But it takes some digging. It takes some work. It takes some fixing our eyes. And my hope and prayer is that, you know, in, in his culture, translating now to our culture, our life, our world, it can change everything for us for the better. And so as we take this time to think about Jesus and to think about the death that he died, let's think about the life that he lived. And let's think about how we understand that and how we can grow in that as we remember him in the Lord's Supper. Let's pray. God, we are so grateful that you loved us enough to come to our level, to make the word become flesh, to dwell among us as your son Jesus. God, I pray that we would check our preconceived notions at the door, that we can open up our minds, that we can be excited to learn from our rabbi all of the insights, the practical wisdom, how to navigate the difficult things of this world. God, we are so grateful for the salvation that we have in Jesus. The fact that new creation, a crown of life awaits us if we stand firm to the end. God, help us as we take this bread and this juice Help us through that to connect with you and to testify to the life, death, burial, and resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. We love you. Pray in his name. Amen. Amen.